Well, welcome everybody to episode 39 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And this week, we're going to do a brief recap of the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, there were some interesting and kind of funny moments, uh, but not a super interesting race um, in the grand scheme of things compared to some of the previous races we've had. And then right. uh, talk about a little bit of fun we had in Tucker's newly restored uh, 2002. And... Uh, and talk about kind of how, you know, what more work had to be done on it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this past Sunday, uh, they held the Turkish Grand Prix at the Istanbul Park Circuit. And uh, it was interesting because both qualifying and the race itself, it was just basically a rainy weekend the entire time. Is it always rain in Turkey? <laughs> I mean, I, didn't the same thing happen last year? I I, I think it did because I, I remember Ocean Stroll, right? Yes, and and Botas Botos had a complete meltdown last year. Yeah. <laughs> he was spun the he car like five times. Yeah, he, spun, <laughs> he just kept spinning. Yeah, that was uh, the first pole position for Lance Stroll. I think I yeah forget where he finished. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so just kind of odd. Um, yeah. You know, last year was the first time they held the Turkish Grand Prix since 2011 because of COVID and trying to consolidate things within Europe. But uh, yeah, it's led to some kind of weird, weird events, but it was kind of an odd race because uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen both took um, uh, grid penalties for using new powertrain, using new engines. Mm. Um, and uh, so it was kind of an odd, you know, starting, starting grid. Um, now I have to ask a question about that. <clears throat> yeah. Because I am a little bit confused, and it, it's probably mostly. Me. I'm just curious if you know the answer to this. If not, maybe we can look it up at some point. But sure. When the race before, when mm-hmm. Max took his power plant, mm-hmm. I swear to God, he was like at the back of the pack, and then magically and then at the got end of the race, place. yeah, you know, yeah, he, you know, whatever it was, second place. I can't remember, but yeah. Lewis wasn't at the back of the pack like when he started i mean he he finished qualifying and was in first first place i think yeah and then um he took this you know whatever it was engine so maybe they were different because i thought he started in like 11th place yeah lewis started in 11th because he qualified on pole position but then had a 10 place grid penalty so he started okay Um, so maybe it had more to do with kind of where max was that in that, on that race? Yeah. Okay. That'd be my guess. I, I would, I don't, I wouldn't be able to explain how. Yeah. I'd have to look it up too. Maybe it's different with like the equipment that they replace or something. Maybe the yeah. penalty is more severe. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I was just I, curious. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. I know. I mean, I know Lewis's was for a new power plant. Okay, um, yeah. Okay. So that's for sure. I don't know if, if Max had something more extensive or not, but, um, yeah, so so ultimately, you know, it it was kind of a weird starting grid. Um yeah. It ended up, you know, kind of settling out in uh, in a, a somewhat expected way. So Valtteri started on pole um because of Lewis's grid penalty and uh actually drove compared to last year especially, but drove a really really <laughs> good race. He, yeah, exactly. He didn't really make any mistakes. Um he he played it really smartly and uh, basically led wire to wire. He he uh, never got past, uh, led every lap, and then also got 
the fastest lap on the final lap of the race, which was really impressive. Um, yeah. Max finished second, Sergio Perez's teammate in third. So really yeah. good, good week for Red Bull and the points. Uh, Lewis wasn't too far behind, though, in fifth um, with Charles Leclerc sneaking up there in fourth for Ferrari. Um, the the McLarens, for whatever reason, this track does not really suit them that well. Um, Lando finished down in, in seventh and Daniel Ricciardo in 13th. Uh, the, the interesting points of the race, though, one, Esteban Ocon basically yeah. using the same set of tires the entire race. He never pitted. On a lunatic. I I can't, I, I'll be honest. I cannot recall the last time. I don't know that I've no. ever seen anyone do that. No, um, I think it's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it was probably also under extenuating circumstances. Yeah, it was really impressive. That's but not the, a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I when I Jensen Button was talking about this to a little bit on the on the broadcast, but it was I hadn't really thought about this before that the intermediates basically. <laughs> When they wear down, they just basically have slicks. slicks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So conceivably, yes, you could like run an entire race. And and that was kind of the predicament of this race was Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really raining anymore, but the track is still freaking wet and it's not drying out tremendously. Because it was cold. It was cold. And so it was like, okay, do we stay on these and turn them into slicks? And that gives us an advantage or do we switch? Right, and then we've got to go through this regraining process before they're up to snuff. And or was, do we switch to slicks? Right, and that was part of what hurt Lewis. Ultimately, was he he waited till I think so. eight or nine laps or something like that left in the race to yeah. come in for a new set of intermediates. They were they were basically betting that the track they they kind of did the same strategy as Ocon. They were betting that the the track would dry out enough that the degraded intermediate tire would essentially work like a slick and on a dry track, it would give them uh, at least equivalent pace to the cars that had pitted for new intermediate tires. And then they would gain that, you know, whatever 30, 40 seconds that a a pit stop would cost you. Um, And unfortunately for Lewis, it didn't work out. Um, And by the time they recalibrated their strategy, it was too late. Um, you know, on the other hand, you had you had Sebastian Vettel, which was yikes, yikes, an interesting experiment. So, <laughs> so I I applaud them for running the experiment, and I'm just yeah. really happy no one got killed. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Seb and the Seb oh, basically, man. you know, Aston Martin is in a position where they're if they want to try and compete for a podium spot or or even like a top five. They need to think outside the box or try something other teams aren't trying. Everybody was doing the one-stop yeah. intermediate, the intermediate cha- tire change strategy, um, except for Ocon and, and Hamilton. So they elected to try to put on medium compound tires. Well, I think it was like 16, 17 laps to go in the race, something like that. And it, it was, was like Bambi on ice. It was, it was so bad. Was I was everywhere. actually, yeah, I was really I was worried how bad it was. Honestly. I was, yeah, you, you see, it, that was an, an excellent example of how big an issue. I mean, when they're talking about, oh, there's rain on one sector of the track and everybody starts freaking yeah. out. That's a good example why. Like, slicks are slicks. Like, 
It yeah, doesn't matter and- if it's hard, medium, <clears throat> soft compound. Like they have, there's, I mean, there, there's no tread on the tire. Like it's, no, it, and, and think back to the Russian Grand Prix, and you know they were running around on slicks, and yeah. it was really, really pouring. And yeah. it finally got to a point where it was like, we got to get off these because right. they were a disaster. But <laughs> what's so crazy to me is just the difference that, you know, tires that are kind of worn and have some graining and have temperature mm-hmm. in them. Yeah. The traction they offer, because yeah. in the Russian Grand Prix, I mean, it was raining and they got away with it for quite a while, probably yeah. because those slicks had some tread. And Vettel comes out, they're shiny. They have mm-hmm. no temperature in them and no, yeah, uh, no tread, and it was just like, what yeah. a disaster! He well, was. I mean, even place. <laughs> even on a dry track, the outlap, like the first lap after you've changed your tires, is always a little treacherous because until the yeah. tires get heated up, even on a dry yeah. track, slicks can get sketchy. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, he he was going. I don't he did like a three-point I mean, turn to even just get in the fit lane. Yeah, I mean, he was going. I don't know how. I mean, he was so far off the pace. It was on, he was going like half speed. It seemed like, and yeah. even then, you could see the car was just wanting to twitch and step out on him. And so, yeah, I mean, applause. The best, the best part about it was but holy crap. Yeah, the best part about it was you know like normally. You know, you'd have some character with a short temper, temper, and they'd be like, "Why don't you guys send me out on these? These are terrible." And Vettel just right. comes in, parks the car, and he's like, "Yeah, that didn't work." Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> about about two two turns into the into his outlap, he yeah, comes. They have the radio work. message. He's like, "It's not working." <laughs> so, like, that's the understatement of the century yeah no shit dude you've almost hit three <laughs> other cars and gone off the track <laughs> like, no kidding it's not working <laughs> oh my gosh it was so oh, good yeah crazy uh, crazy but, uh you know it was you know ultimately a solid race for red bull as a team max you know gained more points on on lewis in the in the driver's championship so red bull certainly um yeah and you know, and I think it, it that kind of highlights a little bit of a point where, you know, with Lewis at the end of this, um, I think it was Jensen Button had kind of said in the in the telecast, mm-hmm. I don't think he knew where he was in positioning when they said box box, and he's like, okay, yeah, and he right. just came in and did it, and then they put him back out, and he's like, what? What the hell Why? position am I in? And they're like, yeah. you're in P5. And then he's like, what? Why'd you guys bring me in? And then all of a sudden, like a minute later, <laughs> he's like, um, uh, car behind you, one second. <laughs> yeah, right. Pierre right. Gasly. <laughs> yeah. Lewis was like, not now, man. <laughs> yeah. Not now. <laughs> yeah. Because he, when he pitted, he was what, second? Yeah. You yeah, know, so and I, I think mean, like, was he really losing enough time? to max that max was going to pass them i mean he he they um, coughed up yeah. a good chunk of points in the driver's yeah. championship and the, the thing about it though is like when you looked at esteban he was losing some serious time at the end there so yeah i think lewis might have ended up in the same spot but but mm-hmm. obviously the guy's great at tire management so maybe he'd uh yeah, you know, the only position, tr- i remember like they were showing his intermediates fairly early in the race and he had a decent amount of wear already because, yeah, you know, when he's out in front, he's great at tire management. 
But when you're having to pass nine other people and push, you that the sacrifice you're making is tires. Like you can't. I will say this though, like while he was pushing in the beginning of the race, I was like, man, there's there's this guy. There's nothing that's gonna stop this guy. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna come all the way up to the freaking front. Yeah. So it was interesting. I, I think it was like probably the honest to God, the highlight of the race for me was the battle between him and Perez. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It only that went like for like... Sequence. <laughs> it was like yeah. four turns. Yeah. And I thought when I watched that, I was like, Perez, he just got passed. It's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. And then he clawed his way back. And I was like, damn, man. When, when Lewis pushed him wide at pit lane entry. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought that was it. And then Sergio comes back up the inside late. Breaks, <laughs> takes the position back. Yep. I mean, because Sergio's that, like not a guy that gets pushed off the track. No, <laughs> no, you know, that was a perfect example. Like, in my mind, I was like, this is why Red Bull has this guy. Like, that's what I he was too. He was he delivering so hard to keep Lewis away from Max. Yeah. And, and that was exactly what he's there for. He's there to pick up yeah. points, as many points as he can, get a podium if he can. But yeah, he's keep Max on top. <laughs> that was awesome. I thought that was yeah, awesome. That was yeah. So next, uh, we're off next week uh, for Formula One, and then the following week will be the U.S. Grand Prix at uh, Circuit of the Americas, which is a yeah. really cool track to watch. Um, yeah. So it'll be fun to see them race in Austin. I think Lewis historically has done really, really well. Um, uh, but you know, with Max and the Red Bull team's speed, I think it should be make for a really yeah, good could be good. Yeah. Uh, so we'll leave the F1 talk there, and you got your 2002 back. So, mm. uh, so what ultimately, like, what seemed to be the yeah? So the you know, basically, when I got it here, like my wife and I took it out for a spin, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And then progressively over the next couple of days, like the idol kept getting worse. And I mm-hmm. thought, man, this has got to be some kind of electric issue. And so what was the other you know, thing that the other thing that made you think about electrical issues? The, the gauges, the right? Cluster. Yeah, yeah. It just like it just randomly, you know, the fuel tank would just go like bing all the way up and then just lock at full. And then mm-hmm. we just like later die. And so I just mm-hmm. was thinking there's got to be some kind of electrical gremlin here. And so right. I spent some time trying to sort some of that. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, went through the electrical system and replaced the alternator. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did I do? Replace the voltage regulator, recrimped some, you know, suspect wiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, got to the distributor and got over there and was like, well, that's really weird. This thing just pulls right out. Like, that's weird. I don't think it's supposed to be that way, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I put on a new uh, distributor cap and a rotor, and I thought, I'll, you know, see if I can sort this. And it just was not was not sounding right when it yeah. fired. Basically, it just, like, progressively got worse to the point where it, like, wouldn't even turn over. And yeah. My, neighbor who's working on a thunderbird right now and he's also kind of in the the doldrums in that Mm -hmm. rebuild as well i said (laughs) come over and take a look at this and he's like 
Yeah, your distributor is not supposed to be able to loose like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so at that point, I knew, okay, I'm screwed because I don't have the skill set to retime this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the distributor's loose. And I think maybe these gauges are related to that. Maybe not. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had hoped to have gotten some of that electrical stuff sorted down in um, California. And right. so I reached out to a local shop. Mm-hmm. Um, in town here and that's I had actually like European stuff yeah basically they specialize mostly in bmws and european stuff and so mm-hmm. i had reached out to him before i bought the car months and months and months ago and just said could you support this thing right and he's like oh absolutely that's going to be a great car for us to support it's pretty simple you know there's not a lot to it yeah and so we got it i got it towed down there and i left it with him for must have been like a week, week and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't and, um, very long. Yeah, it wasn't like terribly long. And and I had had um, I had bought the Haynes you know repair manual for it, mm-hmm. and I dropped that off to kind of help them with the timing. Yeah. And so they got it. Re- they got the distributor reseated and locked down. Mm-hmm. They got it retimed, and then they improved um, the contacts behind the instrument cluster so kind of tightened up the contacts cleaned them up Mm -hmm. and then went through the grounding on the Mm -hmm. car because that on the 2002 forums like any electrical thing just seems to always point to grounding issues on these cars and so we he because when i brought it down there i was like i do not frankly understand why this ground is attached to the carburetor because the only way to get to the chassis is gonna it's gonna have to jump to the throttle linkage and mm-hmm. it just didn't make a lot of sense and he thought the same thing and so he moved that over to like a body panel and mm-hmm. then he added because there's a big strap that goes to the engine block but the engine mm-hmm. blocks on these like um <clears throat> bushings and so there's mm-hmm. there's rubber and there's no contact between the chassis and so he added a ground between the uh transmission tunnel and the chassis mm-hmm. and that all of those things together really basically sorted out all the electrical stuff yeah um you know the gauges are rock solid it's it's you know we want to talk about theater well there's theater (laughs) when it comes to starting this thing up because yeah it was pretty fun to watch (laughs) (laughs) it's a carbureted engine and the carburetor probably needs a rebuild so it's like (laughs) lots of cranking lots of revving yeah yeah it's kind of a circus (laughs) kind of sounds like it's gonna die and then it doesn't die get some temperature in it yeah and so usually when i go to like take it out i'll kind of take it around my neighborhood and get some temperature in because by then it'll idle pretty well mm-hmm. um and so at that point yeah, once I was conf- up, it was like it yeah you know, i was i was at that was, point i was confident enough to invite you over to go for a spin and so i'm yeah. curious what what was your what was your take on it what was it's your a really it's, so it's a really cool car uh it is so small, but <laughs> it you know, it's interesting because it is small, but I was perfectly comfortable in. Yeah, it's I'm, surprising, I'm, isn't it? I'm six foot four, and I was perfectly comfortable in the front seat with like leg room. And I, the only thing I can, the only thing I can like come to the conclusion is that there's 
there's not a bunch of sound deadening and no no you can feel the wind on your feet when you're driving yeah there's there's not a bunch of like extraneous not extraneous but like there's not a lot of the stuff that modern cars have that give them so much weight and make a three series the size of an old five series bmw you know and so without all that stuff the cabin is super (laughs) and airy like you're surrounded by a big big windows it's a fishbowl and so it was it was actually very comfortable to sit in um it rode really well um yeah (laughs) i mean small tires relatively thick sidewall because the wheels aren't gigantic like they're on modern cars um so even though the the suspension is you know primitive by today's standards it actually rides pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just really, the, the experience of it was just, it, it's what I, what I love about cars that it, you know, it sounds like mechanical yeah. and analog. It smells like gas, you know. <laughs> it does. It's it smells like gas and leather, and and it's just a very like a perfect time capsule of a car from that era. It I feel is. like, and the you know the giant steering wheel because there's no power steering, you actually need to get leverage <laughs> to, to to turn it. Um, you know, I I really and I really enjoyed it. Like it it to me is the perfect like sunny country road yeah sunday drive car and it goes man like it goes pretty quick when you want it to yeah well and the funny thing is because of how small the car is and because of how kind of open and you're not shrouded from a lot of the the um kind of sound and feel and and tact tactility of, of things Doing 45 in that car feels like doing 80 in a modern. <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> you feel and hear all of it. Yeah, it just like it's sacrilegious mm-hmm. to put any sound deadening in those because that's yeah. the experience. That's you really that. <laughs> yeah. No, I I really really enjoyed it, and it's it's one of those things that like you know yes it doesn't have an airbag and yet like there are safety things that would be nice. But yeah. for what that car is for you, it's like, a, like you said, you're going out in the morning on a weekend to go get coffee or go get some groceries or, or whatever. Like, that's perfect. You know? And I get such wonderful reactions in that car. I mean, yeah. I'll run nothing an errand. In, it's cute. And it's, it's cute. It's quaint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, people are like, I went and, you know, picked up you know bird seed the other weekend and mm-hmm. went to this kind of you know esoteric store and the guy came out and he's like oh whoa, whoa, that's your car man that's amazing <laughs> and uh yeah. you know taking it out in the neighborhood there was a guy at the end of his driveway flagging me down mm-hmm. and he just was just wanted to talk about the car he's like i've seen you go by in this a couple times where yeah where are you from <laughs> what is the story with are this you thing? from the 1960s <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 you know we touched on it in another podcast, but there's something about old cars that you know they can be as cheap or as valuable as yeah you know I mean it could be a a million dollar old Ferrari, it could be a you know a 
a twenty thousand dollar old, you know, whatever like beater BMW, and yep. anything in between. The reaction people get to it, it's not. You could. How do I want to put this? You could spend the same money on like a modern day yeah. sports car, and like a Taycan. Yeah, people look at you like, uh, you know, they they might like it, but they might also kind of give you an oh, what a jerk kind of look. Pretty much, you're in this yeah. loud, revvy sports car. But you spend the same money on like an old, cool muscle car or cool old BMW yeah. like that. And people love it because it takes older people back to like yeah, maybe they're sure. Yep. And and young people don't know what it is, but it looks cool and it's like different than anything they see. <laughs> yeah, it's nowadays. got a, the BMW Rondell on it, so like, well, it must be a thing. Yeah, it I must don't be know what this thing. numbering is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like a two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's just a really it's a cool thing about old cars. It's like. Yeah. People people tend to not shit on them. Like people like Basically, old, yeah. old cars. Like there's just you something know, you, charming about it. Yeah. People like my neighbor, he's a you know big muscle car guy and he calls my 2002 the uh, my Mr. Bean car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but I love it. I love it for yeah. that reason. Like I think there's like a rule yeah. that you must wear a Panama hat when driving that car. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's, you know, and I kind of love it in a different way than any other car that I've owned. Mm-hmm. It, it gives me a lot more hassle. It actually mm-hmm. kind of costs me a lot, hell of a lot more money in maintenance yeah, and a lot more in headache. Yeah. But in a weird way, I, I kind of love it more than my other cars. Yeah. Just because it, it's a time capsule, like you said. It's kind of preserving mm-hmm. history, but it's not... It's not automotive art. <clears throat> you know, yeah. when I took it to Dave and I, I asked him, what do you, what would you give it? What's, what scale would you put it on? Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd give it a seven out of 10. And I said, that is perfect. That is all yeah. I wanted because he said. Because then you're not scared to use it. Exactly. He said it is seven out of 10. You get to drive this thing. And it's yeah. a driver's car and you get yeah. to enjoy it. And, and that's what 10, I want. You're in close shipping to the Concours. And I didn't. never I driving didn't. it. <laughs> you I might drive it to the Taylor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think I feel like I hit the sweet spot with it. Um, yeah. You know, there's a few things I still want to sort out. I'm kind of debating. It's got the TI, so it's got dual Solexes for its carburetors. Yeah. I was just talking with a colleague today who has an old Alfa Romeo, and he basically had talked with this president of the Alfa Romeo club in America uh, mm-hmm. years ago. And he basically said, the only good Solex is a Solex that's in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Cause everybody wants rubbers. Oh, everybody runs, yeah. And he converted his to a Weber and he's like, I've never looked back. It runs great. It starts up way easier. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the, the, the nagging issue with this car for me is that it is such a time capsule. There is so much of it that is original and authentic. And part of me wants to maintain that, you know, and uh, Dave at the shop was able to, was find a guy that can rebuild a Solex. He'd done alphas for him in the past. And so, well, this guy's still alive and can do this. So maybe we should take advantage of that, get it rebuilt and, you know, maybe I don't need it rebuilt after that. 
But um, a nagging thought in my mind has been, do I just convert this thing to Weber's? And yeah, I do respect the originality you're going for, but I think once those carburetors become more trouble than they're worth, given that it's supposed to be, it is supposed to be a driver. It is supposed to be something you enjoy. Yeah. you're, You're not pulling out, you're not pulling out the engine and putting in, an engine from an E30 M3 or some, you know, something else that would be like yeah. truly sacrilegious in the eyes of like a, a you know, yeah. a, puritanical, a puritanical 2002 lover, you know, yeah. you're, you're simply changing the type of carburetors it has, which. I and think that's, is- and that may be what I end up doing. <clears throat> you know, yeah. I might end up getting these carburetors rebuilt, mm-hmm. um, you know, get them up to snuff. I, I've seen videos on the forum of Solexes that have been rebuilt with people that know what they're doing and the cars yeah. start up wonderfully. So it's yeah. unfortunately just a dying art. Right. And the Weber's are a lot easier to service. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I get these rebuilt, set them aside, put some Weber's on. And yeah, and someday if you I decided to park the car, I can put them back on. Back to the original, yeah. yeah. Well, I but, loved it. It was, it was a, really wonderful experience to kind of get to go for a ride in it finally after you know you yeah. work on it too long. <laughs> uh, but uh I it definitely I I get it. I, I love I, I get why I love that car man. It's great. It's the legend. <laughs> Even the legend yeah. alive. <laughs> I love it. So um you know that that was just I don't know. I, I look forward to more drives for sure. Yeah for uh, sure. Well, that's going to be about it for this week. Um, we will be back next week uh, with some, uh, since we're off from F1, we'll uh, probably be talking about some automotive news. And uh, until then, we'll see you all next time.